And will you turn with me, church, please, to the book of Philippians again? Philippians chapter 4. Last week we spoke on think on these things. We can't really do much of a recap. Time's flowing. Um, we're later this morning. Um, we had a bit of an outage there. It must have been a short somewhere in the, elect- the electric, but um, thankfully... Um, Andrew and I think it was Denise or whoever went they couldn't see I got it sorted for us this morning and we do appreciate that too Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 and verse 9 Paul writes finally brethren whatsoever things are true whatsoever things are honest whatsoever things are just whatsoever things are pure whatsoever things are lovely Whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, notice, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for our children for our youth and for our people to gather this morning. We thank you for this marquee, this tent being so full this morning with your people, their desire to be here. We believe that you have placed that in their hearts. There's no heart that has come out of their own volition, but rather you have placed it to be so. So we pray, Father, that you would bless every heart. Bless all the leaders, the teachers, those in babies in the creche and uh, those who would look after them we pray lord for their blessing this morning we thank you for the giving of their time and lord for everyone who puts their hand to the ply and for those who have come this morning encourage them we ask you remember those who are ill and we pray father for speedy recovery for your miraculous and powerful hand and ministry of your spirit to be upon them glorify your son the lord jesus christ we ask it and in his name we pray amen paul writing to the church at philippi uh, he says to them what to think of and what to fix and focus their minds upon in our reading he says whatsoever things are noticed true honest just pure lovely of a good report, then if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, just think in these things. And it's good to keep our minds thinking in the right way, especially uh, in faith, but keeping our minds fixed on the Scriptures, because it's the Scriptures that are the truth, the ultimate and the absolute truth. If you want to know truth in a world where there's nothing but lies, Look to the Word of God and you'll find the truth in the Word. And so last week we looked at a few different points. First of all, if you'll go to chapter 1 with me, we looked at fellowship in the Gospel. Verse 5, for your fellowship in the Gospel from the first day until now. And of course, that is from uh, Paul uh, comes across in Acts 16, Lydia, who then... The Lord opens Lydia's heart, and then there's a fellowship starts. She opens her home, 
and the fellowship is able to grow. So we looked at that, how the fellowship of the gospel was very, very important. And how Paul uh, was saying to them that you, your giving and your faithfulness is enabling me to uh, write and to be able to carry the gospel all over. Then, secondly, we looked at confirmation of the gospel in verse 7, please. Paul says, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you, notice, in my heart, and as much as in my bonds, and then the defense and confirmation of the gospel. So we looked at that last week of how uh, it gives the idea um, to, be, to be established and it produces confidence that when, for example, this morning, a great turnout, I thought this morning the roads were half flooded, it was wet and windy and it was miserable, and I thought, well, I'm sure a lot of people think I'm not going to go and sit in a tent this morning and that, and yet you just came and you just filled the tent. So God bless you. We do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. And it, it establishes confidence in others when you show up just by being here. It establishes confidence. And people see well, the church. People talk about it. Wasn't there a great turnout? They say to me during the week, wasn't there a great turnout? Wasn't there a great turnout on Sunday morning or whatever, Sunday night, or even on a Wednesday and could I say to you, Wednesday night, we had a powerful time and the, the Spirit of God moved in, uh, in a wonderful way on Wednesday night down in the prayer meeting, down in the building. And I would advise you to, you know, I know we'll be stopping for a couple of weeks during the Christmas period, but I would advise you, get back into the, the prayer meetings and, and into the sense of, of, of seeking after God's face. And it also confirms and establishes the work that something's happening in uh, 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 Guildford, in here, and people see that. So your very presence matters. Gathering together with the people of God, it establishes confidence in people. And then thirdly, we looked at verse 12. Verse 12, please. But I would, but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather onto the furtherance of the gospel. So we have the confidence and now the furtherance of the gospel. And as we looked at that last week, it was a bit of a, a bigger, a larger point of the, the message. But the furtherance means that which has happened to me, Paul says, in my bonds behind prison doors or bars or wherever where it was, uh, in my captivity, people would have thought, what's going to happen to the gospel? It's going to be hindered because Paul is hindered. And Paul's saying, no, the opposite. God can use these things that come into our lives into his life for the furtherance of the gospel. So Paul's actually saying, you know, even though I'm in bonds, the word of God is not bound. The word of God is not bound because I'm in prison. And even at that, the prisoners and even the, very, uh, the, the, the prison guards would have heard him speak of the Lord. And Paul's saying, but the word of God is being carried out, and those believers are being fired up. Do you know that uh, throughout church history, the, the, one of the best times or some of the best times in church history was when there was persecution of the church, not blessing. Because when the church gets blessed, 
the, the churches, oh, praise, oh, praise the Lord for a while. We're on the mountaintop, and they think the Lord's so wonderful, and the Lord is so great, but they become so lackadaisical in their faith and their walk. The church becomes uh, uh, wayward, as it were. Rather, they become lazy in the sense where, well, we're blessed now, but don't need to seek God as much as we did. When really we should be seeking God on the mountaintop just as much and with the same fervency as we did when we were in the deepest, darkest valley, seeking his face and crying unto him. And hence, Paul is saying, you know, these bonds are the furtherance of the gospel. So in prosperity, the church tends to be lax. But throughout church history, when the church was being persecuted, I'm talking about the blood-washed church now, persecuted where it was pagan or papal or through the Reformed times, when they were being persecuted, it set a fire in the church. And one torch was serving to light another, so to speak, where they were carrying the gospel right the whole way through uh, Europe and so forth. The gospel spread right into the United Kingdom, as we know, and so on. And the Lord used those times. And even in our personal times, when we find that we're maybe hindered and hampered and harmed or something, or maybe something's holding us back, maybe we feel that we can't do much. It's in these moments that you, trusting in God, although it's hurting, although it's mournful even, uh, it's a terrible time for you, but you trusting God and you seeking God and you still leaning on God, People see that, and that causes a thought in their heart and mind. Well, what is happening here at this point? What is happening here at this point in time? And at this point in time, they see you continuing on, maybe as we spoke of a few weeks ago, fainting yet pursuing. Maybe your heart is down. Maybe you're fainting in mind. Maybe you're down in spirit, but you're still here. That's a victory this morning. You've got the victory. If you have been down in heart and mind and spirit, if you've been weak in body and you've been in pain or whatever way you felt and you went, I'm still going, you have won a victory. And others see that. Others recognize that in you. And what is it in you? And how is it that happened to you this morning? It is Christ in you. It's Christ who has brought you here. Paul is saying, don't worry, this won't put people off. Because the Philippians were thinking, I could go to jail. We could be persecuted here. And Paul is saying, no, this is for the furtherance of the gospel. So uh, let's move on to this morning's, for we don't want to go any more with that one. Notice here, as we look at the book of Philippians here, and the book of Philippians is a book um, that would be a book of joy, believe it or not. So, for example, the book of Ephesians, it's all about, uh, well, first of all, it's about the predestinating love of God in Christ. It's about election and predestination right from the get-go. And then it comes in, but it's a book of the Lord loves you. It's about eternal love or love that came from eternity. It's about electing love. But when you come, so it's about love, but when you come to the Philippian letter, it's about joy and rejoicing. Yet Paul's writing about his bonds. He says, I'm praising God in here because I see the work going on. I see people being saved. I'm hearing great news. I'm hearing that God is still at work. 
brothers and sisters, for a few moments this morning, because uh, there isn't much time left of the morning. But for a few moments this morning, I want to just show you that. uh, Turn with me to chapter 1, if you're still there. If you're not, turn with me to chapter 1. Will you go down to verse 18, please? After the one for the, it says in verse 18, What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Notice, yea, and will rejoice. See the word there, uh, pretense. Paul is saying, look, there are those out there, and they're preaching Christ. Their motive might be different. And in fact, their motive might even be wrong. But Paul is saying at this point in time, he doesn't really care to want for a better word. He says, well, it's for the good or the bad. If they're preaching Christ and him crucified and resurrected, Paul is saying, then the furtherance of the gospel is happening. As long as the gospel is preached and as long as the message isn't changed Paul says in people of different motives, let God sort that out. This is what he means here by the pretense. So he's talking about content over motive. As long as the content is right, he's saying, then I'm not too worried about the motive. And yet he looks at the defense of the gospel. The defense in verse 17, notice. But the other love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. And then he says these words. He says that there's a pretense or in truth Christ is preached. Notice here in verse 19. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer. And the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but that with all boldness so now also Christ shall be magnified notice in my body whether it be by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain Paul saying, if I die in this prison, he says, I'll die on the Christ. But if I get out of this prison and live, I'll live for Christ. And in our circumstances at times, maybe when it comes the time where the death dew lies cold on our brow, as the old hymn writer said, whenever we have news that we are not going to maybe even get better, it's to know Christ. It's to have that, uh, that inner peace and assurance that you're His. And you can say, well, if I die, I'm going to die under Christ. If I die, I'll be in His presence because I belong to Him. If this was to take me or whatever, I belong to him. And that brings such peace and comfort and blessing to the child of God who truly knows the Savior and has been close to him. Who's had a fellowship and a walk with him. But if the Lord heals me, or if the Lord gets me out of this 
then I'll go on to serve him. I will serve him because I love him. We have to look at this little word in verse 19, supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. Notice supply. It's a big, long word. I'll try and pronounce it here. I actually have it just jotted down on the flyleaf of my Bible. Apikoragia. I think that's how it's pronounced. Do you know what it gives the idea of? It means on behalf of the choir. Actually means on behalf of the choir. And Paul takes this word and he fits it into here in verse 19. And I'll tell you why. Because you would have had someone and they would have been a sponsor of uh, what we would have a choir today. They had singers like that, got together or certain things in society and they sponsored it. They had someone who had the withal, uh, uh, the, the finance to be able to sponsor it. And Paul is using this word and saying, on behalf, like someone on behalf of the choir, my sponsor, your sponsor, brothers and sisters, my sponsor and yours, even when you feel we can't get through, we, we don't know what to do, even financially ways, paying bills or whatever it may be, no matter what it may be, he says, my sponsor is like the one who supplies the choir. And it is the spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't think, and I'm saying that in reverence to the Lord without any disrespect. If I have the Lord, as it were, sponsoring, for a better word, if my sponsor is Almighty God, if my sponsor is the spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus Christ, if he's my backer, if he's the one who's with me, if he's the one who's within me, if he's the one, and since he is with me and beside me and in me, then on behalf of the choir, this one comes and supplies that they may travel and bless somewhere else. This one came that the choir could go out on a trip somewhere and sing all over. Even in Paul's day, cross the the, the, the Greek or Roman Empire, the Greek, Greek word, pardon me, or the Roman Empire. And Paul's saying, if there's a sponsor comes in like this for the choir, how much more does the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ give to me? How much more should I trust Him, even though I'm in chains behind bars and closed doors and none can help me? Yet I am blessed beyond measure because of a great sponsor. Can I ask you a question, brothers and sisters, this morning? What are you worried about? Why fret over such things? You know what Paul talks about at one place? He talks about all the things that happens to him, the shipwrecks and the beatings and the whippings and Forty stripes save one, five times have I received of the Jews, and all of these things. But you know what really he puts right down at the end of it? 
that which cometh upon me daily, the care for all the churches. In other words, Philippi and Colossae and Ephesus and Corinth and all the churches that were there, Galatia, Thessalonica. Paul says, that's always, the work of God is always in my heart and always in my mind. I told you this before, so forgive me for saying it again, but I feel it's apt to put this here. When I went to see my pastor, Pastor McConnell, when he was dying, I went to see him many times in hospital, but just before he came out, he went into unconsciousness. He's very weak. But every time I visited him, right up to that point, the next point to see him, he was unconscious and I sat with him for a while. But when he was conscious, every time I'd have come in and he had in the hospital for weeks, and every time right to the very last one, he didn't say, look at that sore, look at what I've got, and look what's happening to me now, why am I like this? Why would the Lord, after so many years of service from a boy and soul saving, seeing so many souls saved and so, so forth in the service, why would the Lord let me go like this? Because he had operated on and his leg and so forth. And he didn't. Adam went in and says, you know, we, we called him Bishop as a nickname, but I, I used to go and say, well, Bishop, how you doing? I am all right. I am all right. And I say, well, what are they doing with you? And he had showed me where they've done something with him. Maybe his leg or his foot and operated on it. And like this, after seconds, he used to say to me, well, tell me about the work of God. Tell me about God's work. As our souls being saved, he used to say, even though he was going to die, his interest was, what about the furtherance or the defense or the fellowship of the gospel. He knew he had he knew he had a great sponsor. So brothers and sisters this morning, Paul knows the same and he says, like one who's a, a, a huge gives a huge financial gift to the choir. So the Spirit of God, as it were, is my sponsor. And hence he says, I'll not be ashamed. In other words, God won't let me down. God will not let me down. So this word here Paul uses, I don't want to go off track too much because I'm not going to do another morning on this because next Sunday morning we'll have a dedication as well. I'm honest, uh, of a wee baby, and I want to just maybe focus a bit more around, around that. But notice here Paul says in chapter 2, if you will, and let's go to verse 1, Philippians 2 and verse 1. Notice what he says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy. Notice he's rejoicing now, saying, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. So Paul starts to set out how not only to have fellowship, to start to be like-minded in the gospel. Fellowshipping, but like-minded, bearing one another up. And then if you go to verse 19, just I don't know how many of these will do, but I'll just go through them quickly. 
verse 19. Chapter 2, verse 19. But I trust the Lord and the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus or Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul's saying, I, I, my thoughts are toward you. I told you last week, I'm more encouraged when you do well. That's what encourages my heart. I, I don't have any hobbies. If you have hobbies, I'm not saying anything against hobbies. So I'm not saying anything against it. I don't have any. My focus is always on you. I don't go watching sports. And if you do, I'm not saying anything against it. I'm not saying you can't. I don't collect things. I was talking to someone this morning about collecting things. I don't do that either. You know, I don't go fishing or whatever. My focus is always on the work of God. When Alison and I go out for a drive, I try not to think about it. And I get about a mile up the road and start talking about this. And I need to get that done. What if we've done this year? What about... And it's always our conversation, most of, mostly the whole day. Because we read that the pastor should carry the sheep in the heart. And Paul's saying, my heart is for the sheep. My heart is for you, he says. Notice if you'll go down to verse 20. Eight, please. Paul says, I sent him therefore the more carefully that when you see him again, you may rejoice and that I may be less sorrowful. This is Timothy speaking of. So Paul's saying that when he knows the church is in fellowship, when he knows the people are going on well. When we say, when I say look, doing well, that doesn't mean to say nobody's ever ill or nobody's ever struggling or nobody needs help or nobody needs to be have a chat or to speak or just to whatever. He's not saying that. He's saying, but they're, they're still trusting. Like Paul and his bonds and like you when you're not well when, or when you get a bad report or when you're feeling uh, dry and, and spiritless and more carnal and you need somebody to speak to it. Paul's saying, but when I see you going on and pressing on and trusting God until you get the breakthrough of this, I'm then going on further again. It's this Paul speaking off. Paul's saying, my heart feels what you're feeling. My spirit is troubled when yours is troubled. Brothers and sisters, sometimes even as a, as a shepherd of the flock, an under-shepherd, we're only one man each here as such. We'll try our best and we will let you down, not meaning to. But that doesn't mean to say my heart's not troubled when you're troubled. You carry it. And a pastor should. Think of a sheep. I don't know if anybody here has sheep. I mean, I'm a city boy. The only time I've seen sheep when I was driving in the car through it, through the countryside. Know nothing about them. And maybe you have sheep or even cattle. 
even a business. Your mind's always on it. And I wonder ministry-wise, when I think of ministry-wise people in the, in the church, deacons, your heart should be carrying the people too. Ministry should be carried in your heart. If that's that the Lord has placed you in ministry, from the elders, the pastors, to the deacons, to, to the youth leaders, to the, to the children's workers, to the creche. It's, you're always thinking to, the, to those who go out to the, to the schools. And, and we can go on to the older folk. And Paul's saying here, it is a carrying in the heart, and not only carrying in the heart, but it troubles me when you're troubled. Sometimes I can do nothing, and I say this, but yet I want to say something else. I can do nothing but pray, but yet prayer is the best thing someone can do for you. And then there's, the if they can't help in a practical sense, Hence, Paul is saying, I'm carrying you, but still he's rejoicing when they're doing well, when they do well. Go to chapter 3, please. Verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me, indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Then he warns them, beware of dogs. Now that's dogs with two legs. He's talking about not four. Unfortunately, there are those. He he then mentions, beware of evil workers. Beware of the concession. He said, not everybody's going to want to see you do well. Not everybody's going to want your assembly to do well. Not everybody's going to want you to do well in God. Not everybody's going to wish the best for you. And you'll get one, some people in who look the part, talk the part, but aren't the part. And remember I told you last week in the next, in chapter 4 and in our reading, verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true. Remember I told you that was the second finally, but this is the first one. This is Paul's finally. And what it means is everything I've said Now I'm getting into this final stage of the letter until he gets to chapter 4, verse 8, and he goes, finally, after all we have spoken about last week and this week, finally, he says, whatsoever things are good. Well, it's good when we think of what God has said. And true and honest, good report and so on. It's not just a mental ascent he's speaking about. It's not some new age, airy, furry, claptrap the one for another word, brothers and sisters. He's talking about the scripture. This is what this is what we read to lift our hearts, to clear our thoughts, to purify our spirits. It's this, and he says, if you go back to what I've said, all of this. He says, your fellowship is important. Be a turnip and turn up. Your fellowship is important. You think, I'm just popping into church. No, your fellowship 
is important. You are important. In other words, we need you. I need you. I need you. And you need me. And we all need each other. He says it's important. It's where we gather strength. It's when we come together in unity that the Lord will bring a blessing. The fellowship of the gospel, the confirmation of the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel. And then he says, some, he says you need to be ready and set to defend the gospel. To defend it. Uh, the word, by the way, defend is the word apologia. He says, I'm set. S-E-T. And it's where we get our word for the defense, the apologia, the apologies. It's where we get apology from. And it isn't, I'm so sorry that the gospel's offended you. I'm so sorry if I've said the wrong thing to you. When we're speaking according to the word, Paul's not saying that. But rather Paul is saying, in boldness, in Holy Ghost boldness, with the unction of the Spirit, Paul is saying, listen, brethren, listen, sisters, don't be afraid of my bonds, but they might put me in prison. Nobody wants to go to prison, but they might find me in a court. Nobody wants to go to court and be fined, and not only be bad for the gospel. Paul's saying, not all times. It's what your motive is. The message doesn't change. Don't be afraid and be set. S-E-T, be set for the defense of the gospel. That word set would need another morning to to look at it, but what Paul is saying is it gives the idea to be concreted. There's actually a a term in in the, I guess in Psalm 72, don't quote me on it, I'll have to get it and look it up and all, but it talks about how the stars are put and the, 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 the solar system really is put in the, in the heavens. They're set. It's the same word in, 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 in the Greek text here that Paul uses. And he says, I am set. God has come and he has ordained, it means. He has set, concreted. He's ordained me for this. For prison, Paul. For hard time, Paul. For persecution, Paul. Paul saying yes. Does Paul like it? I'm sure he does not. But what Paul is saying is, even though in bonds and bars and gates and so on, he says the gospel is going out. People are hearing. They're putting him in prison. And the persecuted church is usually the church that does the most for Christ. Let me finish. Time's gone. So, Paul says he's set for the defense, the apologetics. It's not, I'm sad, I'm so sorry, the gospel has offended you, I won't preach it. Oh, I'm so sorry, um, we talk about certain issues in society, and now with the whole wokeism, you know, it's all this whole thing of, oh, you, you can't say that anymore, and you have to be, you know, you have to be, proper and right and you have to be politically correct and and if you're not whether it's in your workplace or here or behind the pulpits and that's why in, in many churches that's why behind many pulpits we have we have men standing behind them that are afraid to speak they've no backbone 
they've become soft and effeminized and uh, you know, they've a backbone carved out of soft banana. You know, they, 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 they have nothing solidified in them. They, 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 they have a scattered frame like a wet noodle. Then they're, 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 they're collapsing. We see, if we were true Christians, we'd be lovely wee people and we would accept everyone and everything and all of their sin and we wouldn't say or do anything that would be uh, an offense. Well, brothers and sisters, the gospel is an offense. And if the gospel doesn't offend the sinner in their sin, then we're doing something wrong. It's natural for the flesh and it's natural for the depraved heart to hate the gospel to detest the gospel and to shoot the messenger of the gospel, so to to speak. But Paul is saying, he's not saying here I'm set for the defense. In other words, they're going to say, I said it, but I'm sorry. I'll not say it again. And I promise you, I'll bring something softer. He's not saying that. The apology... Or the apologetic says, here's what the scriptures say. Here's what the prophets have said. Here's it right the whole way up. Here's Christ coming. Here's his life. This is what he done. He whipped the money changers out of the temple. He turned over their tables. And see today, do you know what all the Christians would say? Oh, Jesus, that's not very Christ-like. You know what he would say? I am Christ. And the problem is, brothers and sisters, many of us aren't set for the defense, the apologia, or gear of the gospel. And so Paul says, listen, think about these things. Think upon these things. Think upon these things. Because see, when the world says, huh, you're some Christian, it's not a good one, isn't it? You know, whenever the world who go out there and fornicate and drink and do whatever they do, and they wouldn't even come to a church, even to a service or whatever, you know, and they would say, oh, you're some Christian. How do they know what a Christian is? How have they any idea what a Christian's meant to be? Because their idea of a Christian is what they have in their head that a Christian is. A Christian is a man. A Christian is a woman that's been saved by the grace of God and Christ lives in them. Christ lives in them. And they live by this. We don't live by something like a a program in church. We don't live by the Alpha Course or any other program like that. Live by the Word of God. So think on these things, brothers and sisters. There's so much more, um, but by the time... We get the holidays over. We will be here next week, by the way, um, in the morning and evening. But by the time we get other things done, it'll be like starting from scratch again, because most days we forget what was said. By the time you get your Christmas dinner in you and your turkey and all, and then all that stuff. Home brothers, you know what? See, I seen you all coming in this morning, and that miserable, the wind driving the rain, I thought, Lord, would you bless these people? Every one of them. Bless their families. Bless their homes. Encourage them, Lord. Strengthen them. Help them. 
And I I believe he will. I believe he will. And you have encouraged me this morning just by your presence being here. God bless you. See this evening. We let the children know they can come in, please. See this evening. Um, except for a couple of wee things I've jotted on the flyleaf of my, of my Bible. I I'm not sure. I'm going to pray about it this afternoon. Cause I, was wanting, and I was looking at it and read it on Friday and yesterday again. I'm going to preach on the book of Ecclesiastes and show you the gospel in it and see what we do, God willing, this evening. Um, I don't know what part I'm going to use for my basis, but I'm going to show you. Everyone thinks, Ecclesiastes says, do everything you want and drink all the wine you want and do all this you want. Well, we'll see. See what happens. It says it, and then it says something else after it. You better watch out. It's not Santa Claus is coming to town, by the way. <laughs> Jesus is coming. Better be ready. May God bless his team. Would we'll you just come up, please? Thank you, Billy.